the FT. Welcome to our weekly review of the FT's audio and video output. This was the week when Greek banks reopened, albeit with limited service, when gold fell to its lowest level in five years, when the chief executive of Japan's Toshiba resigned after an investigation found the company had inflated its profits by $1.2 billion, and, in a small aside to show it wasn't all bad news in Japan, when the Financial Times was acquired by Nikkei for $1.3 billion. I'm Robert Shrimsley, and on today's show we'll be discussing corruption in Brazil, the fall of the UK's chief financial regulator, the risks inherent on over-reliance on spreadsheets, and whether there's any point in still owning a car. But we start with Brazil, where the first convictions came this week in the multi-billion dollar corruption scandal surrounding state oil company Petrobras. First, an idea of how serious the situation has become for President Dilma Rousseff, less than a year after she was re-elected. Here's our correspondent in Sao Paulo, Joe Leahy. President Rousseff has probably the lowest approval ratings of almost any president in the modern democratic era of Brazilian politics. So since the dictatorship ended in around the early 80s, 84... Dilma is dealing with a recession, but it's legal allegations that are her biggest headache. Allegations that she received donations for her 2014 election campaign that were derived from effectively bribes. So businessmen paid bribes to her party and this money found its way into the campaign. So that's one allegation. Another one is that she broke Brazil's fiscal responsibility law in her management of the budget last year. And this is from doing all sorts of sort of manoeuvres with public funds to try to pump up the economy ahead of the election so that Brazil would have a little bit of economic growth and there would be a feel-good factor going into the election, which was in October. And there's more. The third major front that her opponents are pushing is a vast corruption scandal that's going on at state-owned petrol company Petrobras. And Ms Rousseff was the head of Petrobras between 2003 and 2010. And that's when a lot of these allegations of wrongdoing took place. Uh, So her opponents are vigorously looking around to try and find whether or not there's something from that scandal that they can pin on her as well. Some leaders would look to clean up and distance themselves from the politicians suspected of wrongdoing. But things are not always that simple. Dilma's problem is that she needs the support of key congressmen and women in order to tackle Brazil's recession by clamping down on government spending. Here's Joe Leahy again. Now we have two prominent politicians who are involved in the scandal or have been at least named. One is the head of the lower house, Eduardo Cunha, and the head of the Senate, Henan Calieros. Now, these two are very powerful, influential figures in the Congress. They're also members of her ruling coalition, and she needs their support if she's going to get the fiscal adjustment done. And at the moment, she's facing an open revolt from at least one of them as investigators move closer to him, and that's Eduardo Cunha, the head of the lower house. Elsewhere, the City of London, or at least its big banks, is celebrating because Martin Wheatley the man in charge of regulating financial institutions, is being forced out of his job as head of the Financial Conduct Authority by the government. Here's our legal correspondent, Caroline Binham, explaining what his departure says about attitudes towards bankers. The problem has been that the regulatory pendulum swings far more slowly than political expediency does. And we're now in a new era of growth and jobs and competitiveness being the mantra of the day rather than banker bashing. I'm joined in the studio now by our columnist Michael Skopinka, who argued this week that it no longer makes sense to own a car, clearly something he would never have dared to do while Jeremy Clarkson was still broadcasting. But nonetheless, Mike, 
Tell us what your thinking is on this. Uh, first, I should say I never, ever watched Top Gear, not once, never watched Jeremy Clarkson. My feeling about this is that if you live in a city with reasonable public transport, and I include most European cities and London and New York and quite a few cities around the world, it really doesn't make much sense to own a car. If you can't get where you want to by riding a bicycle or walking or taking public transport, you've got a smartphone that tells you where uh, an Uber car or a cab is uh, a couple of minutes away. So it doesn't make much financial sense. There's a huge cost to owning a car. There's petrol, there's maintenance, there's insurance, there's depreciation. Really doesn't make much sense. And don't forget parking, massively expensive. And and as I recall, you were arguing that owning a car is worse than being pressed up against someone sweating profusely next to you on Southwest trains. I thought that it was uh, financially worthwhile to accept being pressed up against somebody. There was a financial saving. And frankly, I don't really like driving. I don't find that drivers, other drivers, particularly civil. I think you might be pressed up against somebody on a train, but they're generally far more polite. The country doesn't actually agree with you on this, does it, Mike? Car sales are booming. Yes, but um, according to uh, Andy Sharman, our cars correspondent, many people in the car industry agree with me, and they think this is the way things are going. I got an email from somebody who's retired from the car industry, and he said, well, car sales might be booming now, but basically your argument is going to prove to be correct. As these car hire and car rental uh, options and smartphone options expand, uh, fewer and fewer people are going to want to own cars. I'm just, as usual, way ahead of the trend. Uh, I think our listeners would like to know, just finally... What you actually drive yourself, Mike? I don't drive any longer. I barely drive. But when I did, and I've still got it standing outside and other members of my family use it, I own a Honda Civic, which shows how I regard cars as purely, I always regarded them as purely utilitarian vehicles. Thanks, Mike. Next, spreadsheets. Lisa Pollock went along to the annual convention of USPRIG, which I'm sure you all know is the European Spreadsheets Risk Interest Group, to learn about the dangers of the ubiquitous software. She talked to Ray Panko of the University of Hawaii, a leading expert in spreadsheet risks. What we know is that when someone builds a spreadsheet, they'll make errors in about 1% to 5% of all cells. And experience doesn't really matter on it. You can have experienced people, inexperienced people. They'll make errors in that range. Now, that's pretty rare. Uh, it means that you're correct 95 to 99% of the time. Trouble is spreadsheets are big. And so if you get a spreadsheet with a 100 unique uh, formulas, you're almost certainly going to have a bottom line error, and the error is probably going to be fairly significant. Here is the conundrum, says Lisa. So everyone uses spreadsheets, and almost everyone makes a few minor mistakes that can snowball catastrophically. Better training and testing might be necessary to prevent disasters, the spreadsheet experts say. And finally, ugly people. Where have they all gone? Lucy Kellaway wonders. If I think of the friends of my children who have landed jobs in accountancy, banking, consulting and the law, all are far above average appearance. Even in radio, long supposed to be the natural home of the ugly, there's not a plain person in sight. I'm in the process of making a radio documentary and all the producers are gorgeous and even the sound technicians who commune with buttons all day are perfectly agreeable to look at. While businesses have worked hard to stamp out racism and sexism in recruitment, we're still very much facist, she says, and it has real consequences. Recruiters and managers are so facist that the good-looking have been found to earn some 10% more than the bad-looking. 
Well, the CEOs with commanding faces have been shown to run companies that make the fattest profits. Other studies establish that being ugly can sometimes be an advantage. If you're trying to rob a bank, it's good that you look a bit scary. It can also help you get hired over someone handsome, but only when the person doing the hiring sees you as competition. Neither result is especially cheering. But at least there's one place where some people still have a face for audio. I've been looking closely at my own colleagues, and I trust they won't mind if I point out that there is little sign of facism at play in the Financial Times. If you do an audit of columnists' byline pictures, which range from the fairly gorgeous to the not gorgeous at all, I think you'll agree that the resulting bell curve matches the national distribution. I can think of plenty of other newspapers where the byline pictures are, on average, prettier, but then the standard of comment is rather lower. The two facts are surely not unrelated. That's it for this week. Henry Mance will be back next Friday. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you might like to try our World Weekly podcast, which is presented by me, Gideon Rachman, the FT's chief foreign policy commentator. Each week I discuss one of the main political stories of the week with the FT's overseas correspondents and experts, and you can find our latest show at ft.com slash podcasts from Wednesdays. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.